Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for joining me this Friday. In today's episode, I'll preview this weekend's games, give you a wrap of Wednesday's game, share some insights, which I've noticed over the last week at Flames practice, and of course, touch on the very scary incident which happened to TJ Brody on Thursday at the team's practice. And and let's start right there. First and foremost, thankfully, TJ Brody is okay. As the team reported on Thursday night, he uh, was at home resting after a scary incident that occurred at practice earlier in the day. And I was there and it was very scary. We were all rattled in the media. Um, It was honestly the probably the scariest thing I've ever seen um, at a practice or probably in in life just watching TJ go down and not knowing what had happened and then watching the panic that ensued in the players and obviously the medical staff came right to his attention so there was some relief there and TJ was only unconscious for a little while but still we didn't know what was happening I'm obviously not a doctor so I don't have that background of knowledge of knowing how to react in that situation but everybody was concerned I was in the stands as it happened anyway just to give you a little background of what happened there was a drill that was happening on the ice so it was during flames practice and TJ Brody was just on the blue line all by himself and he looked to have fallen over but seconds later he was on the ice and his body was convulsing not to speculate it, it, I mean I haven't seen this in action but it looked like a, a seizure but you know you don't, you don't want to make those speculations his teammates and coaches immediately rushed to his side when they realized what was happening and called for the training and medical staff to help him and assist him several members of the team and media called 911 the incident happened and within 15 minutes the ambulance had arrived and broke Brody had been rushed to the hospital. Um, it was emotional, I think, for everybody, right? Uh, a lot of you were were there. Um, you don't, you know, you don't plan for this. Um, I do. I do want to also applaud the media. Um, you know, a lot of you are here every day. Um, you know, you've gotten to know the players. You cover them, but I think there's a relationship, and I think. The way it was handled by the, the people in attendance and a large portion of the people here, um, I think was very commendable. And I and, and I just I appreciate the um, just how it was handled. Um, respectful for for the family members because when when it first happened, you don't you do think the worst, right? And uh, um, so yeah, you 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 sort of do whatever needs to get done in terms of the medical team handling their job and then pray for the best. So very, very scary. And at the time he was stable, moving and alert. He was sitting upright. So that was a good sign on the stretcher, which were all, you know, positive signs, but he did pass out and had a moment of unconsciousness, which has got to be scary for the player. And of course the convulsions could have occurred because of the fainting episode. They still don't know for sure what happened. And Flames head doctor Ian Ald explained on Friday that Brody had some tests to undergo first and obviously respecting the privacy of the player is first and foremost. Again, the best part is that TJ was okay at the end of the day that is the most important part but it was absolutely terrifying I can tell you um, I'm sure it was for him as well and his teammates his family the entire staff watching when they heard about what happened there's also a line in the media I want to talk about that is that in these situations we have a 
careful line that we need to walk. We have a job to do at the end of the day, and that is to report the news, what is happening to the public. That's part of our job is to report what's happening and give an accurate display and insight as to what is occurring with the team, no matter what that is, positive, negative. So we obviously don't see this kind of stuff often, if ever, but it is, we also have to exercise compassion and think about the family first, who may or may not have heard about what had happened in real time. The other thing with social media is that it's so instant and we see it on a daily basis. Um, we report what's happening on in real time and people have the ability to follow along, which is wonderful. But also in these situations, it can be very scary. So we had to exercise some sensibility and logic in that knowing that perhaps his family didn't know what was even happening. So we watched what happened. We took stock of, of all the information and then reported what had occurred the best we could. So that's how I approached it having been there yesterday uh, on Thursday. And that involved making that decision not to offer a play-by-play of what happened. I was talking to Peter Labardis of Sportsnet 960, the fan, and he was doing a radio hit at that exact moment. So he could have very well provided a play-by-play of what happened. But in one hand, it is his responsibility to provide a, an insight and some knowledge into what happened, but also to exercise uh, a bit of compassion when these situations arise. So Flames GM, Brad, living immediately rushed to Brody's side and was at the hospital with him after the serious episode. Dr. Ian Ald and Living were both on hand to explain what happened in the emotional and frightening incident on Friday. The medical team immediately sprung into action. Ken Kabelka, Mike Goodmanson, James Borelli, Kevin Wagner, and Ian Ald. It was really um, actually quite impressive to watch the medical team in action. This is what they do. This is what they train for. This is what they practice. So it was quite amazing. Just to add into that, I think it's a, it is a great point because we we practice these things but when you actually do it in real life it's a whole different thing and, and things can get very chaotic and um, I mean the interesting thing about this case is we had we had video on the ice the whole time and the timeline of it is exceptional um, when he when he went down the players came around him Mike Goodmanson was out there in like five seconds um, Kent, Kent, Kent Kobelko was out there in 25-30 seconds the ambulance was called within about 45 seconds so, you know, is me sitting back and evaluating the situation, I, I was, I thought it was exceptional. You know, and the care that we got at the hospital as well. Um, we were met. Dr. Rick Morris and Dr. Carl Phillips took great care of us, and the staff was there. So, you know, as far as how this could have gone, I, I can't imagine it would have been any better. So. And it was really interesting to listen to Dr. Ian All talk a little bit about what had happened the fainting episode and expanding a little bit more of why this may have occurred. What we can say is, you know, an event like this can be caused by something inside the brain, something scary, and it can also be caused by what we call syncopal or fainting episodes. And the reasons for why people faint are, are many, and dehydration certainly could be one of them. I, I don't think we have all the answers yet, and we do have a few more tests to go, but all the early indications are that it's it's very likely more related to a fainting episode than it is to something significant and inside the brain. With respect to TJ's privacy, I can speak in sort of generalities, but um, you know, basically he's, he's going to see a neurology team, so we've got some specialists lined up that will do some testing to look at the, the sort of brain side of things. Um, he also will see a general internal medicine person, we'll work up the cardiology side of things, uh, so those are the, the, the types of testing, there, there are many that will go on within that scope. He also talks about why he may have fainted, which I thought was really interesting. Eliminate gravity and allow your heart to get blood to your 
brain. <clears throat> if there's a period of time where that doesn't happen, the brain can go on hyperdrive. And with that can come some of the motor movements that we saw. Um, you know, that's, that's an assumption. We have a lot of other tests that we need to do. So we're not, we're not hanging our hat on that, obviously. We're going to leave no stone unturned, so to speak. So yeah, he does have some further testing to really look into the neurological component of it. And after a few minutes, TJ was alert, like I said, responsive on the ice, and he stayed at Foothills Hospital for the remainder of the day and evening. Tests were taking place, and he was at home last night uh, with his family. So good, good news there and good to hear from the team to get a, a bit of an update last night for the fans as well and the public. He was sore from the fall, that's what Brad Trilliving said, but he is doing well and the tests have been negative. Uh, no set timetable for Brody's return. Uh, he's definitely rolled out for this weekend's games in Arizona and Vegas. So uh, good news on those fronts, but also a lot to think about, a lot to digest. What happened? How did it happen? Why did it happen? And a lot of these things they will not know um, immediately and perhaps will not provide to the public, but um, obviously we are all curious as to how it occurred, why it occurred. At the end of the day, it was a really scary experience, but good to know that TJ Brody is doing okay. Yusuf Alamaki was placed on LTIR on Friday as well, and Oliver Shillington was recalled from Stockton. Coming up after the break, I'll tee you up for this weekend's games in Arizona and Vegas, give you some lineup notes, and preview a little bit about what's going to happen next week, and talk about the week that was. Here on Locked on Flames, we talk about player performance, but that's not the only performance that might be on your mind. If you want to avoid awkward doctor's visits when you're looking to up your game, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you'll be ready to play a full 60 and maybe even overtime. And because it's chewable, BlueChew works fast, so you'll never have to worry about being ready to go. Made in the U.S., BlueChew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in discreet packaging, making the whole process easy, convenient, and cheaper than pharmacy alternatives. Right now, we've got a special deal for listeners of Locked On Flames. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use the special promo code LOCKEDON, all one word. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-U.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it for free. BlueChew makes it easy for you to perform with confidence. You're listening to Locked On Flames, and the Locked On Podcast Network is the number one local sports daily podcast network. The Flames had a pretty productive week with two practices prior to Wednesday's game against the Dallas Stars. It was a different week. It was obviously a very challenging week for this group. Thursday's practice was cut short for obvious reasons, and the Flames skated on Friday before they headed to Arizona. It's been a really interesting and a trying week for the team. Um, heavy doses of four-on-four four and three-on-three three situational work early on, and then Wednesday's game happened. But with Thursday's events, I would really expect to see this team kind of come together and rally around TJ Brody. It's only natural for them to feel a heck of a lot closer when something like that happens, and I doubt any of them have really been through something like that before. So um, you just wish TJ Brody the best of luck in recovery. And in light of Thursday's episode with TJ with Brody, some roster moves needed to happen. So the Flames recalled defenseman Oliver Shillington from the American Hockey League, and 
Brody was obviously ruled out for both games in Arizona and Vegas, so he continues to be monitored by the team's medical staff. Shillington played three games with the Heat, recording his first career hat trick on November 9th against Tucson. The 22-year-old has played 14 games with the Flames already, so he knows the system, he's comfortable here, he's a plug-and-play type player. So um, he'll go in on Saturday, I would expect, with Michael Stone on the third pairing. Uh, they, that's the way that they practiced at least on Friday. There was no morning skate on Saturday, so I would assume that that's the way it will go. With uh, Oliver Shillington coming up, his last appearance with the Flames was on November 5th against the Arizona Coyotes, ironically. So um, he logged 10 minutes and 10 seconds of ice time. Really wasn't playing a lot. Bill Peters said that he wanted to get him playing um, in situations, all situations, power play, penalty kill. He was dispatched to the AHL two days after that game against the Coyotes, which was uh, quite interesting um, in terms of Bill's post-game comments. If you remember, these clubs only met 10 days ago, and head coach Bill Peters gave the players a strong lashing in the media highlighting many, many holes in their game. The Flames had just won 4-3 in overtime, and you wouldn't have known it if you would have listened to Bill Peters' post-game report. He uh, had some interesting things to say, including he couldn't pass the puck, everything's in the feet, everything is behind guys. When you look slow, it's puck speed and execution with the puck. There's guys open, we don't see them. There's guys open, we put it behind them. It's the National Hockey League, we've got to be able to make a pass. And he was kind of right. I have to agree with him. But anyway, Matthew Kachuk had capped off a late comeback against the Coyotes, and it was another exciting game winner for him. But again, some major things to clean up for the Flames after that game. And they did so against the Devils, and then they, they played the St. Louis Blues on the Saturday night, so a week ago. So um, the Flames also placed defenseman Yusuf Valimaki on long-term injured reserve with the roster moves that happened earlier today. He joined Flames forward Austin Zarnik on the injured reserve, giving the Flames some cap relief. So on Friday, capfriendly.com had the Flames with just over $700,000 in available space. Valimaki has been rehabbing from a torn ACL that he suffered while training in his off-season base in Nokia, Finland this summer. Just a quick roster note about the Flames on Friday when they practiced in Calgary. Johnny Goudreau, Sean Monaghan, Elias Lindholm were together, that first line. And the second line back together, Matthew Kachuk, Michael Backlund, and Michael Froelich. So Michael Froelich moves up from the third line. Um, he was demoted there uh, earlier and had actually sat out two games. So he sat out against the Devils and the St. Louis Blues. Andrew Maggiapani, Derek Ryan, Sam Bennett were the third line. Milan Lucic, Mark Jankowski, Tobias reader was the fourth line so I would expect that Alan Quine would sit out of Saturday's game. Mark Giordano, Rasmus Anderson were the first pairing, Noah Hannafin, Travis Hamannick back together and Oliver Shillington and Michael Stone were skating together. So Brandon Davidson is the extra defenseman, Alan Quine is the extra forward. And the goaltending situation is quite interesting in my opinion with David Riddick and Cam Talbot. I think many people were a little bit surprised that Cam Talbot was starting on Wednesday. You would expect maybe David Riddick to play on Wednesday and then Cam Talbot to play on Saturday against the uh, Arizona Coyotes and then Cam and then back to Riddick on 
Saturday, but there is the, sorry, on Sunday against the Vegas Golden Knights. There is the possibility, of course, that David Riddick will play on Sunday again, and then perhaps Cam Talbot will play against the Arizona Coyotes on Saturday, starting his second straight game. So there is that possibility just to get him some more action and put David Riddick against the Vegas Golden Knights, but remains to be seen. The Flames did not have a morning skate on Saturday. On Wednesday, it was a surprise start for Cam Talbot, who was excellent against the Stars, and he allowed two goals on 31 shots in that 3-1 Flames loss on Wednesday. I would say their start is key to this road trip. Treat it like a business trip, just in and out, get that job done. And again, back to Talbot, I would expect to see him definitely at some point on this trip. So um, back to David Riddick, he allowed six goals on 30 shots when the Flames were in Vegas on October 12th and lost 6-2. The Flames haven't won a game in Vegas. It's been tough, and they've been there five times dating back to the 2017-2018 season. Saturday's a matinee game against the Coyotes, who are 11-7-2 and 6-4-1 in their last 11 games. But prior to Thursday's 3-2 loss to the Minnesota Wild at XL Energy Center, they had points in seven of their previous 10 games. Netminer Antti Rantis stopped 31 of 34 shots against the Wild at XL Energy Center, and with the way their goaltending rotation is going, it will likely be Darcy Kemper between the pipes on Saturday. They go 1-1-1, one, one, one. so Antiranta, Kemper, Antiranta, they go back and forth. He's been on a roll, by the way, Darcy Kemper, with a 0. 0.3, 0.931 save percentage and a 1.99 goals against average, which ranks second among NHL goalies heading into Friday's action. Saturday, if he plays, will be the 200th game of his career. It's a big weekend, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Calgary Flames dedicated this to TJ Brody and kept him in their thoughts all weekend. It was an emotional few days, and they are getting stronger as a team because of what happened. Next week, it's the Colorado Avalanche in town on Tuesday before a massive four-game road swing east to face the St. Louis Blues, Philadelphia Flyers, a Sidney Crosby-less Pittsburgh Penguins, and the Buffalo Sabres. They'll be gone for eight days, but we'll have lots of content here at Locked on Flames. Tune in on Monday with me, Kristen Anderson, as I recap the weekend in Arizona in Vegas. Thanks again for joining us.